Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, hello and welcome to Off the Bench for another week. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. I'm up and about this week. The NBA draft was earlier in the week, Hazel. It was like Christmas for me. Five hours, nothing but sitting on the couch watching the best young talent in the world get drafted. You probably had a different idea of what was good during the week. Good morning. Good morning to you, baby. You still haven't come down. Oh, uh, you such a high. A I love time. it. I love it, absolutely. It's... You're happy with the picks? Uh, more or less. I'm, I'm glad that, obviously, RJ Hampton and Lamelo Ball, the two guys that came out to Australia, uh, got drafted in the first round. Josh Green going to the Mavericks, a really good result. A guy that was born in Sydney, played for Arizona as well. So, uh, look, all in all, and they did it well. I thought with um, COVID restrictions, particularly in the U.S., maybe it might be a little bit difficult when they go virtual, but I think it proved, and it's a a good template for the AFL to follow in a few weeks' time, um, that it can be done, and it can be done effectively. Speaking of the AFL, it's been a big week, hasn't it? A new coach at North Melbourne, David Noble. You might not know too much about him, but he's been the footy boss up there in Brisbane, working with Chris Fagan. A good appointment for North Melbourne, in my opinion. We've got some clarity on the CBA going forward, the list sizes, and also the total player payment, so there will be a reduction, but to the players, only really 3%. So a good outcome. It's been tough for them this year, but 3% going forward is a pretty good outcome for the AFL players. And I've got a dig too. Let's get into the dig. The dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. I want to have a dig at a few of the media people out there and a few of the punters as well, because we also had some changes in interpretation Uh, for the AFL. So they're not outwardly rule changes. It's more Mm. about interpretation. So the rotations have gone down from 90 to 75. The player on the mark for kick-ins now has been pushed back to 15 metres instead of 10. Not a big difference. And reduced lateral movement for players on the mark. I love these new interpretations coming into the game of AFL, but I hate hearing people and media commentators saying, leave the game alone. And in the same breath, they basically bag the current state of the game. Well, if the game right now is no good, we need to make more changes to get it back to how it was. Now, it's never going to go back to the 80s and 90s. We know that. Coaches have hijacked the game in a certain way. But these new interpretations are taking us closer back to how it was. Rotations, there wasn't 90 back in the day. There was probably 10 or 20. Players on the market kick-ins, well, that's a little bit different. But the lateral movement and the player on the mark, well, that's what you did back in the day. You just stood there. You didn't try and pen a certain player into an area and cut off certain kicks that are going to open up the game. I just want to focus for a moment, particularly on the rotations one. It's gone down from 90 to 75. When we spoke to Steve Hocking, um, General Manager of Footy Operations at the AFL earlier in the week, and I think it was you that asked, how did you arrive at 75? He said, we have to be aware of player health and safety. <sighs> we have to give the sports scientists time to adjust. No. That's what Th- they're the, doing. The yeah. reason that the game, that we're sitting here going, we need to reduce rotations is because the sports scientists have hijacked it to within an inch of their life. It's within, you know, you have to come off at this second of this mark and this. No. Don't give them time to adjust to it. Turn around and say, you've got 30. And when all the clubs turn around... How many players do you think are actually going to get injured 
if you go from 90 rotations to 30? Zero, because you're zero. training for it through the pre Zero, zero, that, They zero. are on their way to 30 or 40. 40's probably be, the magical should, okay. mark. Yep, 40, They're brilliant. They're appeasing the clubs but at they this shouldn't. particular stage. They shouldn't. What, you know, why what do... happened this year? The clubs actually for once learned that you can do things in terms of the backup time. Remember, we couldn't do five-day breaks and six-day breaks. Mm. We had four-day breaks this year. And how did the clubs go? Fantastic. There Mm. weren't too many injuries. Maybe the West Coast Eagles at one point. Outside of that, I think they coped with it pretty well. So AFL clubs, stay out of it. Let the decision makers make their rules. And let's move forward and get the game back to a better spectacle. Why should the AFL do the clubs any favours and give them time to adjust? Because the clubs themselves and the coaches particularly are not doing the AFL any favours by bastardising the game and making it a crap spectacle for spectators. To appease them? Oh, why? To... Why, why would you appease them? What have they done? What have they done? What goodwill have they built into the AFL? Oh, come on. That's not fair. No, seriously. No, no, that's, not, that's not fair. A lot seriously. Of, mate, they're ambassadors for the game, the coaches. Mm-hmm. So I know they've done certain things to try and win, and they haven't done that deliberately. They're just trying to win games of footy mm-hmm. to keep themselves in a job. So they have done a fair bit. We can't bastardise but if the But if the AFL's role is to put the best product out there, and you can use that whether it's the spectacle, whether you're talking about the facilities, resources, all those types of things... And it's, as you say, it's clear that they're getting down, they're going to keep working on it, and you think about 40 is the right number. So why are we pussyfooting around it and slowly bringing it down and then every year we'll go, oh, we'll reduce it by 10, we'll reduce it by 10. Why are we doing that? To have a look at it. There's no conclusive evidence that going back to 0 or 40 will actually work. And there's some out there like David King thinks it's a better spectacle when we had unlimited. So I don't think there's an absolute one way or the other. So a little bit of give and take to find the right mark. I think that's what they're doing. This is Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hayes will be with you. Cal Toomey, the AFL's draft expert. I alluded to it off the top. That is just a few weeks away. We'll have a chat to him next. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. Now, we had uh, the NBA draft was during the week, but the AFL draft is slowly creeping up on us. It is in just a few weeks' time in early December. Cal Toomey was good enough to catch up with our own Paul Hazelby and Adam Papalia earlier in the week. The draft date's going to be December 9, but it's going to just look and feel a little bit different this year. Yeah, g'day, guys. It will be very different, unfortunately. Uh, circumstances have pushed it to be a virtual event. So we saw that a little while ago with the AFLW draft where it was done all online. And that'll be the case again uh, when clubs meet virtually uh, on December 9 from their own club war rooms around the country. And unfortunately, prospects will be doing the same thing, basically uh, zooming in from, uh, from different locations and, and homes. And I, I imagine in different states, uh, some sort of... Um, little mini functions that they might be able to zoom into but and watch the draft from. But it will be a very different-looking draft, but that's 2020. One day for the main draft, and the second day will be the rookie draft and the pre-season draft. And how many draftees are you expecting to be picked, given that clubs may only choose one selection this year? Yeah, they can choose only one selection this year, Hayes. That is part of the rules and a bit of a rule change, given that List sizes have been cut, and we all know that that's come back a little bit. Not hugely, but a little bit, and that's allowed the AFL to change that rule. So usually you have to enter the draft and and upgrade either a rookie or take a couple of picks and and up to three selections at the very least. But this year you only have to take one. Now, I think overall there'll be around 55, 56 picks taken. Last year's draft, there was 65. So the cut isn't as dramatic as uh, some would have thought at the start of this year, particularly given that... 
you know, generally 60% of the draft pool comes from Victoria. And we know that all 60% of those haven't uh, played at all this year. So uh, I don't think the cut is as significant or as, as bad as first feared, but certainly it will be down on recent years. Got a couple of gun players over here in the West that should go pretty high. Logan McDonald and Denver Granger Barris. But what about some of those Victorians and South Australians that you think might feature in the top five or ten? Yeah, there's a few there. We know that Jamari Hagen will get a very early bid. If not a pick one, then it'll be the next couple of selections after that. Elijah Hollands is a midfielder slash forward from the Murray Bush Rangers. He had his season wiped out even before COVID struck because of uh, a knee reconstruction. So... He's right in the mix to be a top three pick, if not the, the first pick for the Crows. So he's another one. Will Phillips is a, a member of what I call the Fantastic Five at the top of the draft. as a midfielder who's from the Oakley Chargers who's got some real runs on the board last year. And Archie Perkins and Nick Cox are other players who should be right in the mix as, as top ten selections. Perkins is a, a half-forward flanker slash midfielder in the, I guess, Christian Petrarca mould. And, and Nick Cox it could be anything, 200 centimetres, Runs the two-kilometre time trial in six minutes flat. Uh, runs the 20-metre sprint in about 2.89 seconds. So as athletic as anyone in the pool, and I think clubs are going to be pretty excited by his uh, prospects going forward. If you had to take a stab at it, which club do you think would be the most interested in Logan McDonald? Uh, I think everyone. <laughs> I think that's the best thing about him. Look, look, the Crows are clearly looking at him for the number one choice, and he's right in the mix for that selection. I think he's you know, done everything to suggest that he will be a worthy selection if he does go there. North Melbourne, I think, would be pretty hard to pass him up at pick two if he got through to that point. And I think the Swans at pick three, had he uh, got past the the first couple of clubs, uh, would snap him up very quickly, given they are looking uh, for another tall option at either end of the ground. And I think Denver Granger Barris would be right in their mix too uh, at the Swans pick and also at the Hawthorne pick at pick four. So those two West Australians, I'd be pretty staggered if they weren't in the top five. And Certainly, Logan McDonald is right in the mix to be the top choice this year. More of Cal Toomey coming up. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. Continuing Haze Your Chat with our good friend Adam Papalia with AFL.com.au's draft expert, Cal Toomey. We had the NBA draft today and there was a bit of shuffling with some of the draft picks that then got on-traded to other clubs. Are you expecting any movement between the North Melbourne draft picks inside the top 10 and also the Bombers? They've got three picks inside the top 10 prior to draft night or even on draft night. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, clubs can trade picks right up until the draft. There's a little bit of a blackout period for a couple of days there before the draft and then the window reopens again. Uh, during the draft when it all starts and kicks off. But, yeah, I mean, the, the ruse are open to offers. There's no doubt about that. They've been open to offers for the past few weeks in regards to that pick two. And the Gold Coast footy club are a club that has a couple of picks in the 20s and 30s that they might not even use. So they're trying to see if they can push up either one, two or three spots, even as high as pick two, just because they can throw in a couple of extra selections that they're not actually going to take to the draft. So that's something that the ruse are way up. And the Bombers, yeah... Personally, I think they should stick with where they are and say, let's let's go and grab three top ten picks. You know, apart from Fremantle last year and the the GWS and Gold Coast Footy clubs, no other clubs have had three top ten picks in more than fifteen years. So 
it's certainly it's a rare spot to be in, and they're in a position where they've lost some good players to attain those picks, but I think they should be taking it to the draft. But certainly there's a, a bit of wheeling and dealing going on behind the scenes. What are you hearing about the two clubs over here in terms of their draft strategies? It, from the outset, it looks like it's going to be a reasonably quiet night. Free, I've got pick 12, 32, and 55, and West Coast are clearly looking to next year with pick 62, 86, and 91. They have threatened to, to potentially do some future trading to get in a bit earlier. Yeah, I think it'll be a pretty quiet night from the Eagles, I'd imagine. I mean, they sort of traded out of this year's draft to move into next year's pool, which was, I think, a pretty savvy move. It looks like a pretty good pool next year. There's a couple of good West Australians coming through as well. So they did some deals to suggest that their priority was on next year's pool. So they won't start until pretty late in the piece and might be a bit of a boring evening for Rowan O'Brien and the team there for most of the part until they come in a little bit later on in proceedings. But as for the Dockers, I actually think they're in a really good spot at pick 12. And I know there's a couple of tiers to that top group. I think there's the first five. And then I think there's probably another really even group of six to seven prospects after that, that the Dockers will be able to see who pushes out and who falls out of that. So could it be at all? Could it be Zach Reed or Nick Cox? And Heath Chapman's a local option that uh, certainly would be right around that range. Or could it be one of the midfielders in, in Tanner Bruin or, or uh, Ollie Henry, who's a half forward as well. So, and even Archie Perkins, who I mentioned before, who's a really quality half-forward slash midfield option. I think all of those guys would be right in the mix for the Dockers uh, should one get through to that pick 12 spot. Stick with us here on Off the Bench. Plenty more. Cal Toomey coming up next. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby, the final instalment of our chat with Cal Toomey earlier this week. Lewis Jetta not offered a contract today for the West Coast Eagles. And at Geelong, Jack Stephen has retired. A magnificent career, really. 192 games, four best and fairest with St Kilda. Was this a retirement or was he pushed out? Well, the, the, the Cats have certainly been tied on list spots and had a year to go on his contract. So that's come to, come to an arrangement. I think Mitch Cleary at AFL.com.au wrote about this a couple of weeks ago that these discussions were ongoing since the end of the season. You'd have to say that it probably didn't work out um, from the Cats' perspective in getting Jack Stephen. You know, that he played a few games this year, potentially ahead of the likes of uh, Lockie Fogarty, who in the end left for chasing more opportunities at the Blues. So there's maybe been a, a double-edged sword there, I guess, for, for the Cats in this one. So he goes after what you say was yeah, a really good career. Probably didn't end in the sort of fashion that it was... Um, you know, showing across the past couple of years of his time at St Kilda, but what a player he was there for a, a period. And yeah, Lewis Jetter, I mean, I guess the acquisition of Alex Witherden um, throwing into the mix across half back, and I really like what Alex Witherden will be able to bring to the West Coast lineup. In the end, the, yeah, that's, the, that's the, the price that clubs are going to have to pay across these couple of years. And there are some victims of circumstance, and, and sometimes uh, with the list cuts and the trimmings that have come across over the past couple of days. Um, the clubs just haven't been able to fit everyone they would have liked to into their uh, into their list for next year. What can you tell us about Paddy McCartan, his fitness, and also whether there is any interest in his services next year? Yeah, he's good. He's he's well, he's fit, and he's been cleared from the concussion specialists um, that he's been seeing and been working with over the past sort of 12 to 18 months. So he's in a really good space. I'm told he's as fit and strong as he's ever been and, and has been training really hard across that time. So... This year, he spent some time in Sydney, um, training up there uh, with a local team. Uh, obviously, his brother Tom's at the Swans. We actually had Kenny Beetson, the Swans list manager, on the Road to the Draft podcast this week on the AFL website, and he said that look, the Swans will be watching that one closely with Paddy and obviously are doing their work on him and seeing where that one sits. So 
we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, all clubs can get him as a delisted free agent, so he doesn't have to go through a draft process. Carlton had some interest and did some work on him, but won't be uh, going there uh, in terms of their options uh, for the next couple of weeks. So he won't be going to the Blues, but certainly the Swans haven't ruled out a look at Paddy McCartan. And at his age, he was the number one pick. We are talking about him you know, in, in such um, great terms only six years ago as the number one pick in that 2014 draft. And obviously his career has had a fair few setbacks. So it'd be a great footy story if uh, out of the wreckage of 2020, um, Paddy McCartan got another go. It would be very good. There's a few guys that have got another go, or it looks like that at the Bombers. Martin Gleeson, Dylan Clark to be re-rookied. They delisted Jacob Townsend and Henry Crawford today. Do you like this and do you think the AFL should change these rules? Because we're seeing some mature players get re-rookied and I don't like it. You don't like it? Why not? I just think there's other opportunities for young players that they've had their chance to make a decision on these players. And when you see guys like Henderson, who is in his 30s, get re-rookied, it doesn't sit right with me. Fair enough. No, I think, to be honest, I think that probably the terminology around it probably can change. Do we actually need a rookie mm. list per se? Um, it's probably just a, it's, it may as well be called the cheaper list. Basically, that's what's happening here. Though. They're moving guys onto a list that's costing the clubs less and allowing them to move up and down um, when you know positions become available. But certainly the, the old days of the rookie list and having to work for those spots to get onto the senior list and then play again. We know the the infamous story, I guess, of Damien Peverell, who worked so hard in 2001, I think it was, played those 11 or 12 games in his best on ground and had to go back off the off the uh, senior list, back to the rookie list all those years ago. And it was one of these stories that was, I guess, emblematic of the, the rookie list issues. Now you can pretty much go up and down. There is a spot for you on the senior list and in the senior team um, if you wanted to play. So it doesn't quite have the same value or, or recognition that it probably did in the in the previous sort of years. But... Uh, the question is more, do we need a rookie list at all, I think, rather than is it being used um, acceptably? So I, I think that you know what will be interesting this year, we mentioned the national draft earlier tonight about having about mid-50s picks, 55, 56 picks. The rookie draft would be fascinating as well, how many players actually uh, get taken in that or how many um, delisted guys get another shot in that bracket because it's certainly become more of a second-chance home uh, than a, a place for fresh faces. Cal Toomey there from afl.com.au, the draft expert. Looking forward to the draft getting underway in just a few weeks' time. And of course, COVID throwing everything out of order when it comes to the schedule of sport. Paul Hazelby, thank you for your contributions once again today here on Off the Bench. We'll see you next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91